0: You're listening to Girls With Grafts, a burn community podcast created by Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors, a leading nonprofit dedicated to supporting the burn community. In this podcast, we'll talk with burn survivors, share resources to help with supporting and improving burn recovery, and discuss how to prevent burn injuries. Here are your hosts, burn survivors and Phoenix Society's marketing team, Amber Wilcox and Rachel Kudlack. Hello and welcome back to Girls with Grass. I'm Rachel Kudlack. I'm one of your hosts and I'm joined today
1: with my lovely co-host Amber Wilcox. Hi there, Rachel. You're looking so springy today. Uh, (laughs) Well, um, it's basic Equality Week this week and we're so excited to welcome to Advocate to the podcast. Um, we'll dive a little bit more into face equality here in just a bit. But before, before we do, uh, Rachel, I would love for you to introduce today's guests. Uh, I'm really excited to have them on today. So uh, I'll let you go ahead and, and get started.
0: Yes, and before I introduce our two lovely guests today, I do want to take a quick second and thank our Phoenix partner, Telgian. As a global leader, Telgian is saving lives through innovative fire prevention and life safety solutions. Together, Telgian and Phoenix Society unite to increase and raise awareness for fire prevention efforts. And as we mentioned, we do have two guests today. I think we've been on a roll this season with having more than one guest on the podcast. Um, so today we have Dr. Lisa Gear and Nikki Aberton with us. Dr. Lisa Gear is a clinical psychologist, author, and burn survivor. After being severely burned as a four-year-old, she spent much of her childhood in the hospital, undergoing countless sur- surgical procedures. She is the author of her multiple award-winning book, Flashback Girl, Lessons on Resilience from a Burn Survivor. Dr. Geer attended Tufts University, graduating summa cum laude, pi, beta, kappa. She earned her doctorate in clinical psychology from Widener University and is in a solo practice in New Jersey. She has appeared on NPR, NBC, ABC, Fox, and SiriusXM. She's a national keynote speaker and has presented for Phoenix World Burn Congress, the American Burn Association, amongst many others. She also writes for Psychology Today and has been featured in Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and many other publications. She blogs regularly about psychology and resilience, and you can connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and her website, leasedagear.com, and we'll have that linked in our description as well. We also have Nikki Averton with us today. She is a writer, editor, and lifelong member of the Byrne community. She earned an MFA in writing for children and young adults from Vermont College of Fine Arts, where her thesis examined the representation of scarred characters in speculative young adult literature. Her short fiction has appeared in Voyage YA Journal, and prior to becoming a full-time writer and freelance editor, she was a program manager at Phoenix Society for Burn Survivors. She lives in Michigan with her wife and a small army of furry pets. So, thank you so much, Lise and Nikki, for joining us today.
1: Thank you for having me. Thanks. Yes. Thanks yeah, for joining. Thanks for and me. Thank you, Rachel, for those introductions. I always make Rachel do the tongue twisters. <laughs> so. um well Nikki and Lise uh it's a pleasure to have you I know we have a lot to talk about today um before we get started I'd love to learn a little bit more about each of you um I know um many in the community know each of you um but for those of um that are just tuning in for the first time and those that may not know you um Lise do you want to start by sharing a little bit more about your burn injury and your journey as a burn survivor for for
2: those listening today Sure. Yeah, I was burned at the age of four in 1967. So that's a pretty darn long time ago. Um, I was burned in a a flashback fire um, uh, and uh, burned 65% third degree. At the time, I lost my lip and my chin and my neck and my arms were fused to my side. So I've had a ton of reconstruction. I was a Shriners kid and, um, you know, continue to have surgeries, as many of us do. I, I go now to um, the Lehigh Valley Burn Center up there. But you know, it's been, it's been a lifelong journey as it is for many of us who are severely burned.
0: Awesome. And Nikki, can you share a little bit more about how you're connected with the burn community and your history specifically with Phoenix Society?
3: Sure. Yeah. Um, so I am the daughter of a burn survivor. Um, many of you probably know my mom, Amy Acton, um, who's Phoenix Society's CEO. Um, so she kind of stepped into the role when I was maybe like four or five years old. Um, so I have really grown up in the burn community um, and went to Phoenix World Burn Congress almost every year growing up um, and just kind of was Immersed in this amazing community of survivors and um, really influenced the way that I see the world, um, the way that I navigate my own marginalizations um, and um, how I advocate for the community. Thank you
0: for both joining us again. You know, it is Face Equality Week, as Amber mentioned um, in our opening. And we know you both are really involved in face equality in the movement and specifically burn survivors and characters in the media with scars. Um, But this year's theme is all about counteracting stigma. And I just want to dive a little bit more into that. So Lise, I wasn't sure maybe if you had a time or two in your journey as a burn survivor that maybe you felt stigmatized by your injury and if you would be okay and willing to share that with us today.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, gosh, I feel like my whole childhood, I felt stigmatized by my burn injury. You know, I think I'm sure that there are many older survivors out there, but, you know, in, in, In the late 1960s and early 70s, when I was discharged from the hospital, there was no Phoenix Society and there was no organization of survivors to join. And there was no internet, so you couldn't find people. So when you were discharged from care, you basically just went out into the world as a burn person with no support emotionally or socially. Um, and also back then there was less societal recognition that like bullying is a problem and you shouldn't do it. Like it was just kind of a doggy dog world, uh, at that time. And so I, I really was bullied relentlessly as a kid and, you know, teased and mocked and, um, you know, dating was super hard and, um, it has only been as I've gotten older and healthier in every way and kind of come more into my voice that uh, I feel like these are more or less behind me, but there's stigma all around for everybody who looks different. It's, it's all around us.
1: Thank you for sharing that, Lisa. And then Nikki, um, I know, um, while you don't necessarily have a burn injury, you were with your mom, right? Throughout her, um, kind of experience with her burn injury. Do you recall a time where maybe your mom was stigmatized by her burn and how did that make you feel?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I remember a lot of little moments, um, her scars are more subtle. Um, so I, I honestly don't remember ever being somewhere and you know, I was a kid, so like people may have stared and it may have gone right over my head. Um, But I was definitely aware that she was different. um, And the way that she talked to me about that really minimized stigma. Um, And she used humor, she kind of normalized differences. And I, like I said, grew up kind of surrounded by other survivors. So I saw that there were others who shared her differences. Um, And I think that was huge. And, you know, me feeling comfortable talking about my mom's burn injury um, and watching her navigate the world with confidence um, kind of reduced reduced that stigma um, and helped me, you know, when I was a preteen dealing with acne and like, you know, all of the stigmas that we experience even without scars um, and finding confidence, so.
1: Mm-hmm. Your mom's a pretty confident lady. So I'm sure I'm sure that helps rub <laughs> off on you quite a bit.
0: <laughs> yes. And I I love the, you know, just face equality alliance in general because yes, the world word face is in the name, but it's so much more than that, with, you know, not just visible differences, because I know we have so many in our community who have hidden burns as well. But, <sighs> you know, just any difference in general, whether that's visible and physical or internal and emotional, you know, they're always or they're often, not maybe not always, but often viewed in a negative light. And there has started to be a shift um in that, you know, viewpoint. Um, but this week and face equality week is really about that shift in representation. And we're using the hashtag we will not hide. Um, so I wanted kind of all of us to maybe share what the we will not hide means to them. Um, You know, I can go first and just share a little bit more about how I, you know, feel about that campaign. And to me, it's just really about kind of what we've already been talking about, you know, not hiding away from showing off our scars. You know, I do have scars that are visible. And when I was a kid, maybe I wouldn't always be the most open to wearing a short sleeve shirt because I didn't want all of my friends to stare and touch my scars, But, you know, my family in particular really gave me that confidence. And now I really hold that true of I don't really think about what I wear, if my scars, my scars are showing or not, because I could really care less if people see them or not. Um, And sometimes I think like when I'm at the gym and I'm in a tank top, I'm like, oh, I wonder what other people are thinking of my scars. And I just wonder what kind of goes through their head of, you know, what they think may have happened to me if they even know I'm a burn survivor or, you know, sometimes what you know, if you've never seen a burn survivor before, you may not know what, what scars look like. So, um, to me this week is just really all about just being confident and comfortable in your own skin, whether your scars are visible or not, but feeling that confidence. So Lisa, I don't know if maybe if you want to share a little bit, what the, we will not hide campaign means to you.
2: Sure. Um, and again, you know, when you're 65% burned, you're not You're not going to be able to hide everything even if you wanted to, Um, uh, which, you know, sometimes I maybe I wish I could, but that's never been a possibility for me. Uh, But I think the thing that I relate to the most right now is that um, I I submitted an article to the Huffington Post, which is about being the, the burn girl at the beach. And in that article, I am literally in a bathing suit in this article and completely, you know, out there. And as a burn survivor, I certainly never thought that I was gonna be like in national media in a bathing suit. And there's a part of me that, you know, that's a little challenging, but there's a whole other part of me that feels like um, I have things to say and our community has things to say And also, if I'm out there with my scars, that's going to make it easier for the next person to be out there with their scars, um, and that we can all help each other in that way. So yeah, bathing suit it is. That's my story.
0: And how about for you, Nikki? What does the We Will Not Hide campaign mean to you?
3: Yeah, um, as someone who's not a burn survivor myself and doesn't have a facial difference, um, I think my meaning, you know, is maybe a little less relevant here and maybe a little more broad. Um, but it, it makes me think of, um, you know, my experience as a queer and neurodivergent person in this world. And um, I think there's so much intersectionality in how we all deal with the different ways that society excludes people who are different. Um, and so I think of we will not hide as a way to um, get people with facial differences and other visible differences into that conversation because they've been left out for way too long. Um, And I'm hopeful that that um, campaign can help start the conversation and um, get other people who have experienced exclusion in the world on board with this movement.
0: Definitely. And Amber, I'm going to ask you, I know we don't normally ask each other too many questions, but I'd love Maybe to not know. You threw me for one on this one. <laughs> for you, what does the We Will Not Hide movement mean to you?
1: Yeah, and I think we've talked about this a little bit, but for me, um, my burn injury from pretty much the very beginning was always very out in the open. I'm a very open person, um, really just in general, and not afraid to kind of share my life, um, whether it's on social media or just with a conversation. Um, and so from the very beginning I continued to share um, my story on social media and I think that part of um, being able to do that allowed me to kind of allow others to see me for who I was and, and not have to um, hide who I was from the very beginning and so I think being able to do that has allowed me to just not be afraid like we said like whether it's going to the beach or whatnot um, I live in Florida and it's really really hot here <laughs> all the time and so um, I really don't have a choice whether or not I want to like show my scars because most of the time I'm too hot to hide them. Um, so even though I am a technically a hidden burn survivor, I think for me, like not hiding just means like being myself um, and continuing to do that. And I still catch myself. I think the other day we were <clears throat> taking photos um, while I visited one of the theme parks. And I remember like looking at my scars and going like, oh, I don't want to post that picture. And then I thought back and was like, that's not me. I wouldn't do that. So Um, I think it's allowing myself to know, like, it is okay to continue to like, just be who I am, even after I, um, even after my injury many years later. So, um, yeah, it's an evolution, but I think a lot of it not hiding means like being my most authentic self wherever I am and not just, um, in person, but also on social media and sharing kind of that authentic self all the time. Um, even if it sucks, (laughs) cause there were a lot of times on social that I would post the things that really sucked. Um, and I still knew I had to do it because I think a lot of social media is just showing everyone like the positive things we do, um, rather than both the positive and the negative. Especially as a survivor, right? Yes. <laughs> so being a survivor is hard, so if we're just showing all the positive things that we're doing. Um, the stuff that we struggle with too is is important as well. <coughs> mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, thank you for that, Rachel. Um, Rachel, that was a <laughs> it was a good reflection. Um. Lisa and Nikki, I know you both collaborated with Face Equality International on a position paper recently for visible di- differences in the arts. Um, and we've collectively all talked about this quite a bit, I think. But um, can you tell our listeners a little bit more about what that pa- position paper was and what some of the findings were um, as a
2: result of that? Nikki, I think you should take that.
3: Sure. Yeah. Um, so the position paper, as the title implies, um, explores visible differences in the arts Um and I kind of started on um, a draft that then was brought to the committee. Um, and I drew a lot of that research from my master's thesis um, on exploring um, scars in YA fiction. Um, and a lot of those books that I was looking at are have been turned into like multimillion dollar movies and theme parks and um, Harry Potter comes to mind. Um, and so this, um, position paper explores kind of um, the the way that um, people with visible differences are represented in the media, um, the different stereotypes. um, Often they fall into one of four roles in a story, um, a villain, a victim, a vigilante, or an outcast. Um, And then also looks at some statistics from um, research done by Phoenix Society, by Changing Faces, by Face Equality International, and other um, visible difference organizations um, that explores the impact of um, this representation and how it is negatively impacting um, people who are living with these conditions and seeing their reality um, represented so poorly often on screen.
0: Yeah, and can you share maybe some of those films and movies that you know survivors are portrayed in and if there are any that have a positive
2: portrayal, I could I would love to, you know, hear about those too. <laughs> Can I, I, I want to jump in here if that's okay. Um, I remember very distinctly the very first burn survivor I ever saw on film. And I was like 18 and I went to the movies with my friends from high school to see, um, the Return of the Jedi. And I was just with my friends. And in the middle of this, Darth Vader is unmasked as a burn survivor. And I'm like, oh my, I first of all, I was horrified. And second of all, I was like really embarrassed. And third of all, I was like, oh my God, that's how people think of burn people, right? You know? And so Darth Vader. And there's Freddy Krueger, uh, who was, you know, sort of from the Nightmare on Elm Street stuff. I think that's his, yeah. And, and you know, he's like this murderous villain that just goes around killing people. And That that came out during my, you know, youth too. And, uh, you know, there's Scar and the Lion King. That came out when my little kids were like toddlers, and they loved the Lion King. And here's the villain of the Lion King, and he's scarred and that's like essentially the backstory is that's why he's bad right and so I can I can go on and on about this and I won't but I guess my point is it is incredibly difficult to find any representation of a burned person or a scarred person on screen that is not embarrassing to watch or pathetic or makes you just feel like crap
1: do you think that's why, why it's so important to have the positivity on the other side, right? So um, not only does it make survivors feel embarrassed, but um, Nikki, do you think there's some kind of stigma associated with um, share it, like having those characters be written?
3: Absolutely. And for most people in the world, they're only interaction with people with visible differences is in media. Um, So I, a couple years ago, was in a theater watching um, Black Widow, um, which was a very popular movie. And um, there's a character who's both pathetic and a villain um, who is masked for most of the movie um, and her mask comes off. Um, And up until this point, she's been um, framed as like very horrible Um, And also you feel sorry for her because she was um, burned as a child and her father is kind of using her in his nefarious schemes. Um, And there were these two little boys, maybe like 10, um, sitting next to me in the theater. And um, one of them just covers his eyes and he's like, I don't want to look at her. I don't want to look at that. Like, I I don't like that. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm almost in tears. I'm like, this is this kid's only, you know, interaction with someone with scars. And now if you see someone in the real world, that's going to be his association. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these movies have so much power. Um, and right now, I don't think that, um, creators are aware of that. And I, maybe I hope that they're not aware, maybe they are, and they just don't care. But, um, I, I hope that there is, um, a change that education can make, um, And, you know, as a queer woman, I've seen the way that TV and media representations have changed um, since I came out 10, 12 years ago. Um, There's been a huge shift and so many more positive representations of queer people on screen um, and representations that I can see myself in. Um, And I'm hopeful that this campaign can do the same thing for people with visible differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: And isn't it so interesting how so many of the, you know, burn survivors that we do see in movies are often masked and then it's like a sudden reveal. And I think that reveal even makes it even more dramatic because not only are they scary to begin with, but then they look even scarier when they're, they're pre- taking off their mask. And I just wonder even if, you know, just there's like a twofold there. Because one, they have these scars and they're already made to look scary. And then on top of it, they're supposed to be hidden. And then you're supposed to get that dramatic effect of, oh my gosh, they're even
2: scarier than I thought they were with their mask off. And and the mask makes it seem like these scars are so terrible. No one should have to ever look at them. And that we, you know, it sends the message you should be ashamed of your scars, um, as opposed to, you know, I mean, ha- you're scarred right you can you can like that or not like that but you that's how you are and you certainly don't need to feel ashamed of it yeah Mm -hmm. and i'm sure like a
1: lot of the times a pairing of like whether it's dramatic music or um just kind of how it's presented i think doesn't do any help you know help to kind of the way things are revealed right so if you think of some of those whether they're a villain or they're just not meant to be a villain, right? The reveal combined with kind of all of the other like background knowledge of the characters, I think sometimes can make it that much worse. Um, <laughs> so, with that said, yeah, I guess. And- uh, oh, go ahead.
3: Oh, sorry. I just wanted to add. I think there's there's another way that those reveals are used, and that's to make you pity the character. Um, and often the the mask or whatever will be stripped off in a moment where you're supposed to feel empathy, um, which also I think does not do right by burn survivors and people with scars in the real world. Like scars do not make you worthy of pity. Um, so I just wanted to, to add that.
1: No, I think that's important. Right. Yeah. Just because I've been through something difficult doesn't make, you know, lots of people go through lots of difficult things all the time, but that doesn't make you need to, to pity me for, for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Um, well, so I guess the ultimate goal of that position paper, um, what do we hope if, if you know, somebody from, Hollywood, we're listening to our podcast. Gosh, we hope they would, but, um, we're listening to our podcast uh, today. Um, what do you hope to achieve by that position paper or what is your kind of end goal to, to really by putting that out there?
2: Yeah. So, um, there's a, a group of people who are, um, coming together from different organizations, um, working in concert on this issue and, you know, we're just beginning, uh, but we all know that the entertainment industry in this country has a long way to go um, in terms of TV shows, films. Like I referenced old movies, but you know, there's the Batman last year. Colin Farrell had a scar on his face as the penguin. He never had a scar before. The penguin was not a scarred character. Um, Rumi Malik in No Time to Die. I mean, Constant films coming out in TV shows all the time. It's with us. And like Nikki said, like other marginalized groups or um, however you wanna say that, enjoy more and more fair representation over time. Um, Black people and brown people and gay people and mentally ill people and all kinds of people with various struggles are no longer represented on screen in these stereotypical, you know, tropes. So we're trying I to- I just,
3: I wanna, I wanna, add, sorry, they yeah. are, but it's getting better. I just wanna clarify Thank that. You. Like, you're it's right. still happening. It's definitely still happening, but it's getting better.
2: Thank you, you're right, you're right. Um, so the idea is that uh, education and awareness is really the first step, and so, And and that education and awareness is twofold. One, we have to get the general population to say, I don't like these movies, I'm not gonna go to them, this is wrong, this is prejudice, I don't like it. And also we need to get the entertainment industry to say, yeah, these portrayals are stigmatizing and they're not fair to this community and they're doing damage to this community and we won't make them anymore. In addition to that, we would love positive representations of people who look different on screen. That would be awesome. Um, And we would love to have people with visible difference in front of the camera and behind the camera helping to contribute to these stories. And we would love to um, provide resources to people who are trying to enact these changes. And that's sort of where the position paper really comes in. Like, if you are interested in this, here is this beautifully written position paper written by Nikki, that tells you all about what we're trying to do here. Um, and so we're trying to build education and awareness and we're at the beginning, but I tell you everybody i talk to about it is really excited.
0: Yeah, and, and you kind of touched on this a little too, but regardless if you're a burn survivor with a visible difference or not, there are so many ways to get involved in the movement. You know, and I think even this is bigger than, you know, just the burn for the burn survivor community and those with visible differences. It's, you know, counteracting all the stigma. There are so many communities that face the stigma. We just were talking about a few, but, you know, it's just a step even larger to think about how can the entertainment change the way it's been producing movies and films and TV shows um, to enact change. And we know change can happen when the community rallies together around a movement. Um, we will have that position paper linked in our description as well. So if you are interested, um, make sure you download that paper, just familiar, familiarize yourself with it a little bit more. Um, follow us on social media. We'll be sharing things all week long of face equality week and how you can get involved. Um, but yeah, Nikki, I don't know if you have any anything else to share too about you know, the goals of the paper and kind of what you hope even maybe the next step with this movement is.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I would second everything that Lise said. Um, I would also say that it's not, like you said, Rachel, it's not just for people with visible differences. Um, and something that uh, we talk about in the paper is the beauty bias, which is a documented phenomenon where people who are pretty, um, are given more opportunities, are seen in a more positive light. Um, and that's reinforced again and again by the entertainment industry. Um, and that impacts everybody, everybody in the world, whether you're beautiful or not, whether you fit society's narrow definition of what pretty looks like um, or not, it's, it's hurting all of us. Um, and so I would say that even if you are not immediately impacted by a visible difference, or part of this community this is your fight too um, and this is something that you should be really passionate about and i hope that the position paper can start to help people see that and get more people on board
1: i remember back in high school i did a like end of you know senior year we had to do a project my project was on like the misconception of beauty right and that was how many years ago um i won't even say to show my age but um it was a long time ago and even then like to look back I think for whatever reason we went through like paperwork recently that I had had and you know storage and that paper came up and looking through it I'm like wow we've made great strides in the last however many years but it's taking us this long to even just come this far in terms of beauty and it doesn't necessarily have to mean like right scars but like sizes of women in, in the media and things like of that nature, or, um, you know, h- how you represent yourself. Um, I think it's come a long way, but to look back and see like, that was a, a long time ago and we still haven't even come that far. Um, so it's shifting, but it's, it takes a long time to make things happen. And I, so I think you're right, Nikki, the more people we have behind these efforts, um, whether you're an ally or someone that has been affected by a facial difference, I think that's really important.
0: Yeah, and I, um, I don't know if this is necessarily a negative or positive portrayal of a survivor, but I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Bend It Like Beckham, it's on Mm. Disney Plus. Well, in the movie, she has a burn scar on her leg and I can't exact. it's been forever since I've watched the movie, but it's, she has shorts on because she's playing soccer, which already isn't allowed in her culture for the woman to be playing soccer. And she shows off her scar and it's, she's ashamed of the scar, but at the same time, her coach is like, don't worry about it. Like no one cares because you're playing, like you're a great soccer player and I remember seeing that when I was a kid and just, like I said, it's not necessarily a positive portrayal, but I remember thinking, oh, see, no, no one cares. So why would I hide it? But she has this negative opinion on that she mm. shouldn't be showing it off. And-
2: I would
3: actually say that's one of the the better portrayals. And part of yeah. that is because the actress herself had the burn scar. And so it was mm-hmm. written into the story because of her, which is a great example of a person with a visible difference playing someone with a visible difference, which we don't always see. Usually it's prosthetics or makeup, so.
2: And and let me say that's the power of the entertainment industry is you still remember that all these years later, Rachel, as like a positive story that you actually saw that you could relate to and what a difference it would make if we had more of those. Um, There's a, a bit of research that uh, I recently heard about that really got my attention, which was, um, this man, uh, his name is Dr. Clifford Workman. And he, um, he measured people's, uh, um, bias against people who look with visible difference with facial difference. He, he measured that, you know, through whatever instruments he measured it. And then he, um, did this experiment where once a day for a week, he sent these people a little mini positive story about a person with visible difference doing something good. Like, oh, so-and-so had scars on her face and she helped so-and-so across the street. You know, so-and-so had scars and they picked up the trash. You know, like just tiny little stories. And then at the end of that week, he measured their bias against people with visible difference and it had gone way down. So that's the power of story, right? Um, And we just don't have nearly enough of those stories. And we are stigmatized. And what if those stories were improved? It could make a huge difference. I really think it could, both for us and how people see us. Amy, um, or Nikki,
1: your mom had said something to me really um, powerful not too long ago. Um, I was interviewing her for for a paper that, was being written. And I, I asked her, you know, <clears throat> her about her view on this. And she, to this day, it's like my favorite quote that she's ever given, but she had mentioned like the people that I know and the people that I'm friends with are not the people that I see right in, in these stories. And, and I think that's so powerful um, because it's so true. I think of like, I've had the pleasure. Um, I've only been burned a short amount of time, but the, the individuals that I've met don't meet the right, the stigmas and things. And if only everyone that I knew could also know those things about the people that I've meet. And I think because there's such a small population of survivors out there that yes, my view of a burn survivor is going to be very different because I know people like Amy and, and people out in our community that are um, just doing great work, but are also great people. And so I think it's really, um, it's really important that right i think it's like getting to know that person i think least what you're saying is really really true right of like once i get to know that person and know that they're not the villain it changes like how i feel about that person um but that always stuck with me your mom gave me that quote and i always thought like that's just such a simple thing but it's so true like um of like these people that we know um I can't think of somebody who's like anyone I see on TV. So it's really hard for me. I have this like internal complex of like, that's what they're portrayed as, but those aren't the people that that I know. And so it's just always been something that stuck with me um, for whatever reason, but I'm like, it's so, she's so she was so correct in, in, in her assumption of that.
3: Yeah, and, and as a, oh, sorry. Go no, go ahead. Um, I was just gonna say as a writer myself, um, writing fiction, that is a huge driver. And um, the novel I'm working on right now is about um, a 16 year old girl. It's fantasy, but she's burned in a fantasy war um, and then ends up at a hospital with other burn survivors. And one of my main goals with the story was to reflect the community that I know exists and the different ways that people cope, um, whether that's through humor or confidence or makeup or whatever. Um, And I think that if more people could see representation like that, um, their um, creativity when creating characters with scars would improve um, because right now we're all just drawing from the same pool of bad representation as creators, so. Mm.
0: Yeah. And I know we're going to dive into your, you know, I know you wrote a guide all about that, but I did have a question. I wanted to go back to the, when you mentioned, when we're talking about the Bend It Like Becca movie, I didn't realize that that actress did have that scar. I just, I guess I assumed that she naturally, or it wasn't built on for any reason. It was just part of her personal story, which is the case. But when, you know, we want Hollywood to include burn survivors in their stories and in their movies and whatnot. Do you think it's important to sh- like, I guess how much should the burn survivor story kind of be a part of that? I don't, I, I'm not sure if my question's clear or not, but I just wonder how we can incorporate the burn survivor journey without taking away from maybe whatever the writer is also trying to accomplish and whether it's a movie or a TV show or whatnot.
3: Yeah. I think um, in, in media there is starting to be a shift away from kind of issue stories where every time a character is, has any kind of difference, disability, um, it needs to be like a big thing in the plot. Um, and so part of what I liked about Bendit Like Beckham is the story was not really about her being a burn survivor. It was like a, not even a subplot. It was just a moment that came and went and wasn't really a big deal. Um, And I think we, I mean, we obviously need more heroes um, and protagonists with scars, but we also need more teachers or neighbors or people you pass in the street or supporting characters. And that I think is a great place to start that also is really easy to do. Like you don't need to explain every difference that's on screen. Um, So that is actually one of the things I talked about in my tips is that it doesn't always have to be. Um, called out or a spotlight put on it, it can just be normalized within the world of the story.
1: Well, and speaking of that paper, Nikki, um, you write in that or in that kind of checklist, right, um, some common mistakes that writers make. Um, for those that are listening, if, if, like I said, we cross our fingers, one of those Hollywood writers wants to listen to this podcast, but if they are listening to our podcast, um, what are some tips or tricks for anyone that is maybe a writer and it doesn't necessarily have to be like on screen movie. It could be a, write- a novel writer like yourself. Um, what are some of those things that you like quick tips that you want them to think about, um, if, as they're kind of venturing, you know, we're say, we're talking about why we hate it, but, <laughs> but how can we fix it kind of thing? <laughs>
3: Yeah, yeah. I think um, I'll I'll try to be quick here. Um, it starts with you, the creator, your motivation, your assumptions. Um, I think that a lot of people, like I was saying, have their only experience of people with visible differences is. The media that we've spent about half an hour now talking about how much it's not working. Um, so it ends up kind of like this, like messed up game of telephone where the truth gets further and further distorted. Um, so digging into your own biases and your own assumptions, I think, is the first step. Um, and then, you know, understanding the impact of trauma, um, which doesn't always have to be a central role. In the character's story, um, but also doesn't have to turn a character evil. I mean, most people who have been through trauma um, come out the other side and grow as a result of that trauma and become a better version of themselves. Um, And that's that there have been studies done about that. Um, And that is not not what we're seeing in the media right now. Um, Shame is also something that I think is overblown um, in character stories. Um, Shadow and Bone on Netflix in season two. Um, one of the characters is um, scarred as a result of um, a punishment from the villain. Um, And there's like a several episode arc where she's just like horribly ashamed, like flinching away, hiding her face. Um, And she gets through it, but it also like didn't have to be that big of a part of her story. Um, Coping mechanisms is a huge one. Um, A lot of people with visible differences have coping mechanisms that they use to feel confident and um, navigate the world. Um, And we don't necessarily see that in in media. Um, And then I will end on hope, um, I think is a a thing that's missing from a lot of these stories. Um, The kind of narrative that we're seeing is that if you experience a trauma that changes your appearance, your life is over like you obviously have to put on a mask and start doing crime and hurting people like that's the only path available to you um which is just not true um i haven't so robbed any banks
1: that- recently so I don't, <laughs> think, I don't think that uh yeah it hasn't hit me yet
3: <laughs> yeah yeah so showing that there is there is life after a appearance changing event um there's love there is community Um, there's laughter and hope, um, I think is the most essential thing. If, if writers and creators of media do nothing else, that is the thing I would want them to hear.
1: Yeah. That's awesome. And, And appreciate you sharing all that.
0: Yes. And we will have your guide, um, linked in our description as well. So for all the writers out there maybe you're someone who just wants to learn more too um you definitely have to check out nikki's guide it's it's a great resource um and share it with your friends and your your writing friends too
1: especially the ones in hollywood right <laughs> yeah yes if anyone listening
0: has any hollywood connections please send them this podcast trying real hard
1: today <laughs> that is-
0: <laughs> and well,
1: but I did ahead, also right
0: want to, yeah, just ask Lise too, um, if you just had any, I don't know if it's tips or tricks or maybe a few things you definitely would want, you know, writers or others to know or to hear out right now, if you have anything else you would like to share.
2: I mean, I, I, I feel like we, we have covered it, but just the idea that these representations are prejudicial and doing a a community great damage and not that hard to change, uh, you know, that is something that I really want to get across. And I think the other thing I want to say for the community, for those of us who have visible difference or who love people with visible difference, like we really are trying to work on this and there may come a time that we're going to call out to people and ask you to, um, sign petitions, or write letters, or get active on social media. Like, there's gonna be a time that we're gonna need every voice, and that time is probably gonna happen pretty soon. And not just burn people, but everybody who looks different who wants this to be changed. You know, the entertainment industry has a lot of um, um, money and 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 power and we're going to need every voice to have the best chance of a good impact.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And this week with face equality week, there's no better time to get involved. Um, It can be just as simple as sharing a post or sharing this podcast with your friends on social media. And, you know, if you can help one person listen to it and join the movement and they can help one person join it and listen. I mean, we can really, gather our community around it. So, um, and and I did also want to share, we recently did have an article published in Refinery29 with Tanya uh, Messenbach, Burn Beauty 2018. She's a former guest of Girls with Grass. Um, And the article just fits into the We Will Not Hide campaign so, so well. Um, You know, with social media, there's blessings and curses. And one of them now is with all of this AI that you know platforms are using, um, and the article on Refinery Twenty Nine, which we will have linked below as well, um, dives into apps like Bumble and TikTok, who have been taking down, um, you know, not just burn survivors but anyone with a visible difference, their photos and their videos, because the AI is ch- grabbing their content and flagging it as violent and graphic. Um, so I think this just, you know, really just goes into, we're talking about Hollywood and the arts and that call on for more representation there, but it's just even more wider too. And just the world in general, you know, the AI platforms are using, you know, the millions and millions of photos that are online and it's knowing and learning what is a face and what is graphic and what's not. But, you know, it's, it's just so, so sad to hear that, you know, even with what many folks are looking at as this great technology is actually really hindering our community even more and, you know, preventing them from posting, you know, photos and just videos of them being happy and living their lives. And for some reason, it's, you know, getting flagged, which is just, just really sad in today's world. I I
1: had the chance to talk with actually Tanya as well. And she had shared that, you know, getting the attention of these apps to like take it down you know like there's just this wall up with a lot because there's so many thousands and thousands of users on these platforms tanya had mentioned to me that um, it was because of the article that tiktok helped remove stuff from her account so it took that level of media attention to i think get things removed for her And, and tanya is certainly not the only one i know um, I've talked to several other survivors, like, like we talked about here that are on like dating sites, right? Like, or, or and not even a dating site in some instances, they're on like trying to make friends and, and getting these things um, removed. So, um, or if we're all on the, the common, you know, platforms I've had images, um, blocked for, you know, disgusting or whatever they want to call it. Like, this is not an appropriate image, um, for like my scars. So I think it is something that unfortunately, we have to be better about, but I think they're trying to improve the technology, but um, it's not gonna happen overnight. And the more we can make aware, I think just being aware of these issues um, that, that live out there for survivors that have to go through. Um, so yes, we will definitely put um, the article, we invite you to read it, but also share it on your social media channels. Um, Tanya um, is a wonderful advocate for the, the beauty community as well, um, sharing her stories um, but also sharing her tips and tricks for other survivors. So um, we'll also put a link to her podcast um, in the description mm-hmm. as well.
0: Yes, definitely. Well, I know we are running up on our time here, and kind of before we close out, I did just want to open it up to both you, Nikki and Lise. and if there's you know any other insights or just any any other information you you would want to share with our listeners today,
3: Nikki. Yeah, um, you know, I think we, when we talk about advocacy and getting involved and things, um, it can be really daunting to like know where to get started and there's always a fear that you're gonna make a mistake. And um, so I would encourage people, if you are interested in this and helping to make a change, um, just start by talking about the media that you're consuming and things that don't sit right with you um, talk to the people around you and unpack it and start to like dig into, you know, if you have like kind of a yuck feeling watching a character or a storyline, why, what What exactly is bothering you um, and start to, to think about kind of your own um, consumption of media and how um, you can just talk about that. Um, because a lot of change happens when a lot of people start pushing back. Um, and so starting those conversations with your friends and sharing, you know, th- this really sucked for me as a burn survivor or um, as a person with a disability watching this um, is a great place to start.
2: Yeah, I just, I, I love what you just said there, Nikki, and you're absolutely right. There's, I really think that most people, as soon as they see this, they object. And it's our friends, it's our family, it's our school people, or, you know, school peers, or people we work with, or church community, or whatever, that if we just start to say, um, did you see this movie, this representation, this makes me very uncomfortable, and here is why, almost everyone, as soon as you say that, they're like, oh, I never even thought about this. And so the more that we can just raise awareness and consciousness, and you're right, it, it can just be each one of us at a time, we start to create a societal change where this won't be tolerated anymore, where maybe the next villain comes out in a James Bond movie and nobody wants to see it because nobody wants to see that old scarred, you know, trope of an evil person again. They're tired of it. Wouldn't that be great? Well, I want to thank you both um, for joining us.
1: Uh, As a reminder to those listening, um, you can follow Face Equality International on social media. Face Equality Week is May 15th through 19th. And you can learn more at faceequalityinternational.org if you're interested in learning more um, about the movement. Um, so with that, we always ask our guests two final questions. If you've done your homework, you already know them, but, um, we (laughs) will kick off with my favorite question, um, is what does self-care look like to each of you? So Nikki, do you want to kick us off?
3: Sure. Um, for me, self-care is about understanding myself and what I need, um, and feeding those needs, um, instead of ignoring them. Um, so preparing in the way that I need to prepare, um, sleeping
1: when we're tired. Right. (laughs)
2: Yeah. 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 And how about you, Lisa? Yeah. So for me, self-care has my mindset and, um, noticing when my mind is getting too jammed up with too much stuff or when I'm anxious or tense or pressured, um, Catching myself so I stay more in the moment, Um, meditating, exercise, getting outside, listening to music, all those are my tricks, you know, but all these things that slow my mind down so that I can just be in the moment and bring whatever strengths I have to bear to that moment.
3: Yeah,
2: I, I
0: love that. And our final question is. What do you do to celebrate your anniversary? And so Lisa, I'd love to hear from you, maybe some ways you have celebrated or you celebrate each year. And Nikki, I'd love, you know, if you want to share, you know, either an awesome way you've celebrated with your mom or an awesome way you would recommend maybe someone to celebrate a anniversary who's looking for a fun new way to celebrate.
2: So Lisa, I'll let let you kick us off. So, um, and this, honestly, when you said that, Rachel, I felt a little sad because... Again, I'm not the only person out there like this. I am sure I was not connected to this community for almost all of my life because I was discharged without it when, because there wasn't one. And then uh, by the time there was one, I was just kind of in my own head moving along with my life. So even knowing that there was such a thing as a burn anniversary, that's something that I've only come to realize a few years ago. Mm-hmm. and how do i celebrate it i i notice it sometimes i'll write about it um i have one cousin who always remembers the year the day i was born and he texts me so it's a quiet noticing for me um i love people who embrace it as a big celebration i think i would have done that if i had i even <laughs> knew about mm-hmm. it uh, but, um, I, I try to remember the positives about the day as opposed to the fact that it's also a traumatic day. It's both for me, to be honest with you. It's, it's not just, rah, rah, you know, mm-hmm. it was hard that day. Yeah. So it's, it's all of those things. I know that's not a cogent answer, but that's my- No, point. no, no. Thank you so You're much so-
0: for sharing us, sharing yeah. that with us. I mean, that is certainly common. You know, mm-hmm. we- I think I come, <laughs> yeah, I come from the hoorah, let's celebrate. But, you know, so many of our community members, you know, that day isn't a positive day for them. And that's OK, too. So, you know, whether it's just, you know, maybe thinking of three things you're grateful for that day or just even maybe and you don't want to think about it at all. That's that's OK, too. We we love hearing from, you know all of our survivors in our community the different ways that we choose to either celebrate or not to celebrate the anniversary. I think
1: it's it's interesting you both you know are so into writing right but I think um, writing has such a power over um, like mental health right <laughs> of like being able to write it down And least you could probably speak to this better than anyone but um, I know for me like I need to be better about that right of like writing down how I'm feeling or like whatnot but there is that level of like therapy in just being able to write higher you're feeling. Um, and I need to do it more, but um, maybe this podcast will inspire me to continue to do it even
2: more. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was extremely helpful in terms of just processing thoughts and feelings and experiences and putting them into words. And then they're not just in your head and then you can see them and then you can maybe even share them and then feel more
1: connected
2: so yeah Mm -hmm. how about you nikki
3: yeah um so amy's injury was an electrical injury um and i think i mentioned before that humor is one of the ways that she copes um so she calls it zapper day um and we usually as she would yeah Yeah. i mean we we talk about zapper day we um I mean, I always, you know, thank you for surviving. Um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you did that. Um, and, <laughs> you know, we we usually try to spend some time together as a family. Um, it's not like a, a huge occasion, but it's definitely a day that we kind of mark and acknowledge. Um, we talk about her parents a lot on Zapper Day also, um, who are both gone now, but um, they were such a huge part of her She was 18 when she was burned. Um, So her kind of coping and surviving and their roles in um, helping her through that time.
1: I love that she's renamed it Zapper Day. That's very (laughs) Amy, I feel like. (laughs) So I love it. Um, Well, um, with that said, we want to just send over a special thank you to both of you for joining us this week. Um, we know how important this topic is, and both of you have been wonderful advocates for, um, for helping with, with the movement. So um, if anyone wants to get in touch with um, both of you, we will put it um, in our show notes as well. Um, but with that, um, we just encourage the community that's listening today to continue to follow both Phoenix Society and Face Equality Week on social media, or sorry, Face Equality International, on social media, please, the more that you share the articles that, um, this group has written or that have been published, um, in honor of survivors, the more that we can spread awareness. So we really appreciate it. And with that, we want to thank you both for joining us today. Yes. Thank you
0: so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of girls with grafts. If you are enjoying this content, please feel free to rate subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next
2: episode.